0: Let me just echo what uh, many have said so far this morning, a happy Mother's Day. I really did appreciate Thomas's prayer this morning because not only did it uh, help us to be able to really put our focus on God and He in our creation, His gift of mothers, but also it acknowledged that today is not always the easiest day for everyone, I mean, for any number of reasons. And so we want to lift all of you up on this day, uh, including the husbands who maybe forgot that it was Mother's Day, and now they're trying to figure that out. I mean, Lazarus brand coffee will make a difference in that one. I do want to welcome all of you, if you, particularly if you're here for the first time. We wanted to look at Mother's Day as an opportunity to be able to invite and bring more folks to come and visit us here and to be able to hear the truth of what we're going to say. And so if you got that invitation and you responded today, we're just so thankful that you did so. And we hope that today, my prayer is that today the worship would be uplifting. That that testimony, I don't think you could say anything about that testimony other than encouraging And then my prayer is that as we walk through this message, that we will hear the truth, the truth. Because I can think of no greater gift that we could give on Mother's Day than the gift of truth, that we could speak truth and teach the truth in a way that might be a blessing for all to hear. Now, if I'm going to make a statement like that, I might need to ask the question, Pastor Rod, what do we mean by the truth? Interesting. So 40 years ago, if you'd asked me that question when I was in college or before, I'd have looked at you and laughed. Why would we need to ask the question, what do I mean by the truth? Because we're not talking about things like, what do we consider, do we find who's bringing the best pizza? Although that did come up this Tuesday while I was prepping this sermon because Alfonso brought a couple of Little Caesars pizzas in for lunch to share with the staff, which then generated that discussion. And, of course, David came over and he looks at it and he says, you call that pizza? The best pizza is New York-style pizza. I'm talking from Brooklyn where you have to fold it over twice before you can eat it. Now, Heather was here as well, and she just looked and he and said, no, 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 deep dish from Chicago. Specifically, Giordano's. But we know Kathy and I, having lived in Italy for two years, those are all false truths. The best pizza comes from Pizzicore, translated pizza on the run. Enzo, he was king. We could get seven pizzas in about ten minutes, and they were amazing. I just wasted about thirty minutes, didn't or thirty seconds, didn't I? Have we come to any truth yet? No, but sometimes we can take our opinions and our preferences and we can treat them like truth. So let's really think about what we really mean by truth. Because sometimes when you find yourself in a conversation about social issues, political, religious issues, sometimes it begins to boil over into an argument, doesn't it? Many reasons, many times the reason that turns into an argument is because we're working off of two different definitions of truth. Because if somebody walks into that and says, well, it's just my opinion, but... Well, that's really easy for me to look at them. You're right. That's just your opinion. And I'll be glad to disagree with you over that. But trust me, when they come in and they look at me and they say, now that's just your opinion, but I'm walking in that thinking it's my truth, well, I don't necessarily respond in the same way. When I was uh, in my last job in the Navy, I had the privilege of teaching young men and women who were entering into the Navy as officers. And the course that I got to teach them spent a lot of time looking at this issue of ethics and how do we determine what is right and wrong. And within that is the question, what is truth? And it always amazed me, but it never shocked me, the answers that I would get to this question. And that's because this question truly is timeless. The great thinkers of philosophy, sociology, economics, religion, and even history have all contemplated the question, what is the truth? We even see that question in God's Word. During the trial of Jesus, Pontius Pilate, having heard his words, looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? What is truth? You see, postmodernism has sought to argue that nothing is true. Well, a relativistic standpoint wants to look and say, well, what's true to you, well, that's just fine. But over here, you might be thinking the exact opposite, and that's okay, because that can be true too. But we have to ask ourselves, how could that be? How can that be? In our hearts, we all know something must be true. And so maybe, just maybe, maybe I'm not big enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough, wise enough, enough of anything to be the one who actually gets to answer and determine the answer to the question, what is truth? But when explaining to his disciples what was to come, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a bold statement for any man. But Jesus wasn't just any man, was he? He's fully man and fully God. There's a full sermon series to be able to unpack that and get to the proof and the meaning of that statement. But for the purpose of what we're talking today, it helps me to see that truth is most simply the way in which God sees things, and the truth is that which corresponds to the reality which God has put in place. But our world can be filled with lies. Lies that want to influence and manipulate And they want to do so to you and to your family. And sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's obvious what they're trying to do. Think about a Red Bull commercial. Red Bull will give you wings. We can all see that for what it is, right? But you know, clearly not everybody. Because about 10 years after the product came out, somebody decided to sue the company because Red Bull didn't give them wings. It didn't even help them to grow intellectually or to have any improvements in their physical abilities. And when it was all said and done, Red Bull actually settled that suit, even though they still denied that what they were saying was a lie. It may then, so that's an obvious one, but what about the ones that aren't so obvious? Like the products on there that talk about male pattern baldness? Because if that was clearly true, a lot of us around here wouldn't look exactly the same, right? Yeah, Bill's back there laughing with me, I know. I figured he might get that joke. But as we look at it, what really matters is the truth that sets the foundation for everything that we believe. Even the truth about who gets to be the one to decide what is true. And the answers to those questions will impact every inch of our lives. And today, we're seeing the impact of truth being eroded away all around us our society continues to move further and further from god's word finding out and so finding out what is true becomes more and more difficult now i understand at this point you're probably sitting here and thinking happy mother's day where in the world is he going with this Well, this morning we're stepping out of our series of Hope in Everyday Suffering, our study of the book of 1 Peter, to take a look at mothers with our annual theme of Hope for Everyday Life. If you can come along with me, Jeff, that's not clicking for some reason. I'll have him try and uh, follow along, but... uh I mean, Hope for everyday life. And in one way or another, we we can find hope on Mother's Day by celebrating God's call for mothers and the truth behind God's commands for mothers that can break through the hopelessness and the uncertainty that a postmodern worldview presents. There we go. There are a lot of moms here today. And I imagine there are a lot of voices speaking into your lives telling you what it really means to be a great mom. Because clearly, to be a great mom, your kids should be in every one of the sports. When they bring their, when they bring their report cor- card home, it should have all A's. On top of that, your home needs to look a certain way, right? And anybody who looks at you says they've got everything under control. That should be the way it is, right? Well, if that was the standard, we'd have to retitle this sermon as Supermom, But God presents us with something far more achievable. Something that he can help us to realize in our lives. And so the question that we want to consider is this. What does the Bible say about being a true mother? And so I want you all to know that this message is not just for mothers though. It's also going to be for every one of us. Because what we are going to do as we unpack God's word is to see three aspects of moms that we can all celebrate And we can all emulate. And so if you will, join me as we read from God's Word. We're going to read an entire book of the Bible today. We're going to 2 John. So get ready. All 13 verses. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth for the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be us, be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, from the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, this is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, that you do not lose what we've accomplished. But that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home. Do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I have many things to write to you, I do not do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, so that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. It's a beautiful book when we think about it from this perspective and understanding. So let's just start by looking at Second John, and we're going to take a couple of the early questions off the table before we dig in even further. One being, who is John, and why is he the one we're going to look to as a good source of truth? Well, John, one of the first disciples, well, he becomes one, of who, one who is closest to Jesus. He is there throughout his ministry and in the most private moments. The raising of Jairus' daughter, the transfiguration, even to see Christ's agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. All of this put him in a position to witness to the truth. And then the question, who is this chosen lady? Well, the term lady was chosen not as a synonym for woman, but as a very way of showing honor, just as we want to do today. Now, depending on the commentary you choose, you may find that the chosen lady to be described as a godly mother, or another interpretation is that might consider this greeting to be to the local church. Based on the length and the nature of the letter, I lean towards this being a personal letter where John is speaking with the inspired word of God to encourage her and her children, in a letter that is also a timeless letter to all of us, to the church, and to all who believe. And as such, as we begin to unpack these truths, we can find three aspects of moms, even today, that we can celebrate and choose to emulate. The first of those aspects, the first in John's letter, is that a true mother... Loves the truth. And this is where we come back to this question. What is true? Now John's understanding of truth was based on his direct observation in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Consider how he began the first letter of John. It starts, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, And the life was manifested that we have seen and testify and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. John was a witness, and so what he writes is truth. And so from that text, we can see that truth is that which adheres to the reality as revealed to us through creation and by God himself in his word. And in the very revelation Of Jesus Christ through his words and through his actions and so in John's writing to the chosen lady we begin to see that true motherhood begins as a mother knows the truth in a world that's seeking to redefine truth and to replace the foundation upon which we determine truth that desire results in a truth that would be ever-changing the world wants to take us in any number of direction and put us on paths, folks, that do not result in hope. Because at any time, we would see the truth could change, the foundation could shift, and everything we stand upon would no longer be there. But not so for the truth of the chosen lady. You see, the truth that she stood upon included the truth about God. That God is a perfect And holy being. The creator of the heavens and the earth. The almighty God. Sovereign over all of the universe. With the authority over me. And the authority to determine what is true for me. She also knows the truth about herself. And in a more general sense, the truth about mankind. That we are created in the image of God. To represent God to give him glory. But in our sinful nature, we've fallen short of that glory. We've turned away from him. And because we want to seek our own truth, we choose to disobey God. And as such, she knows that even with that without the revelation of God, we are incapable of determining truth on our own. And that when we believe the lies that they will lead us to destruction. Those lies will lead us to death. Death because of the penalty for our sin that we can never pay on our own. But in true motherhood, we don't stop there because that would leave us with no hope. Rather, it points us to a third key truth that the chosen lady knew. The truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of God's love which sent His only Son to live a sinless life and speak a truth, revealing that He needed to die a death upon the cross in order to pay a debt that we could not pay for ourselves, and as such, restoring our relationship with our holy God. What I'm describing here are the basic truths of the gospel, the good news. Now, if I only look at a part of it, that truth about me, that doesn't sound very good. But when I see the whole of the gospel, the truth truly does become good news like no other. But if we choose a truth that decides to deny any one of these foundational truths, everything around us will crumble. And this, why, this is why it's so important not only to know the truth, to know the factual knowledge, that's not enough. We must also rest in the truth. And God's word here, and John tells us that she abides in the truth. A truth that abides in us and does not abide in those who deny the teachings of Christ. We can know many things. I can know how to hit a golf ball. But the inconsistency with where it is going to go certainly doesn't provide me any hope. I can know all the statistics about my favorite sports team, and all of those facts may be true, but it still doesn't deal with my biggest problems in life. And in fact, as a Minnesota sports fan, it leads to a life of disappointment. But even the knowledge of Jesus and God's Word alone, even just knowledge of it, cannot save me. This is a large part of my testimony And coming to Christ, I had the head knowledge of Jesus. I had been taught that He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins of the world. But the problem was, I was denying that second truth. I didn't understand the truth about myself. I thought I was a good person, I thought I was doing good things. I was certainly better than all those other guys in the Navy, right? But I didn't know the truth about my sin and its impact that I truly needed a Savior. Well, praise God that truth breaks through. So how do we move past simple knowledge of the truth so that we can truly know the truth? This is where we must choose to abide, to abide in the truth. So then we have to ask ourselves, what does that look like? To allow the truths of the gospel to soak into our lives, we have to spend time with them far more than studying for a test like world history where I'm going to memorize facts long enough so that I can put them down on the paper to get a good grade and then I'm just going to forget them the next day. To abide in the truth is to rest in God's Word in a way that allows it to influence, to allow it to permeate into our hearts, our thoughts, and our actions. To abide in the truth is to allow the gospel to be the central truth that impacts my very being and so we ask how do i get there it begins in worshiping the truth about who god is and i spend time in worship through the, throughout the week and that's not just between nine thirty and 10 o'clock here on sunday morning but worshiping god for who he is throughout the week when i rise in the morning praising him when i lay my head down at the night giving thanks for who God is praising him and then I spend time in his word we need to read it for more than just the facts ask yourself how often do you open your bible during the week how long do you spend abiding in his truth we need to abide so that it may impact our relationship with the truth and how we share it with others now to abide in the truth We need the gospel to be a part of our lives every day. That's why I recommend a resource like this. Just a very simple reading, very clear about the truth of the gospel. And even though it looks like it's an ancient text, it was written by a pastor about 20 years ago simply to help his church to be able to walk day by day about rehearsing the gospel truths in their lives and I think it can do the same for us. So I would recommend this as a resource to help you to be able to abide in the gospel. Now, because a true mother knows the truth, and because a true mother abides in the truth, it's also natural for her to instruct her children to walk in the truth. The commandments that we've received from the Father are not just a to-do list for our children. There are also commands for us as parents that should cause us both to abide in the truth and to instruct our children in it. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses shared the truth with mothers and fathers in Israel when he said, the Lord commands you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. When we love the truth, when we understand the gospel truths, including the bad news about our children's nature and their natural tendency to walk away from truth, we must see it as our responsibility to teach truth. And when John encouraged the chosen lady, saying that he was glad to see some of them walking in the truth, notice, some. He was both acknowledging that we can't take the outcome for granted, but he was also showing us that this is a calling to true motherhood that would share the truth in which they know and abide. Now we have to remember, that comes upon all of us, because God didn't just put that responsibility upon pastors. He didn't put it upon Sunday school teachers. And we see that because he commends the mothers. He blesses the parents who choose to instruct their children on walking in the truth. Now that's the positive side of what we're seeing in all this that brings us to share the gospel with our children. But there's also a dangerous truth that the world does not want us to walk this path. And so we must recognize this. And she guards herself and her children from deceivers. The world is filled with deceivers and influencers and people with power and a voice in our lives and voices speaking into our children's lives. Now if you're questioning whether these voices are really dangerous to us, look at how John describes them. Deceivers and the Antichrist. Now, he's not referring to the Antichrist as referred to in the book of Revelation, but he's describing the message that these people are bringing into our lives that denies what Jesus Christ is and what he's teaching. And so a message that wants to alter that truth and deny the gospel, if that's coming into our lives, it's a message that is denying the truth about Jesus Christ, and it can come from many places. It can come from places where we would consider them very reputable. Now I'm going to drop back. Daniel Webster, a 19th century statesman, that's not the author of the dictionary, by the way, that was Noah. But Daniel Webster, he was having lunch with a number of distinguished gentlemen in Boston. Reputable men. But they came with a Unitarian belief, which, did, which denied the very deity of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so when the topic of religion came up, Daniel Webster affirmed his belief in, the son, in Jesus as the Son of God. And one of these men then looked at him and replied, Mr. Webster, can you comprehend how Christ could be both God and man? Trying to challenge him in a way of what we would see, Webster's reply, no sir, I cannot comprehend it. In fact, if I could comprehend Him, well, then He would be no greater than myself. I feel that I need a superhuman Savior. You see, when the world attacks the truth of the gospel, it also tries to make Jesus small in our lives. It tries to make Jesus insignificant. But even so, our divine Savior does not need us to defend Him, but He does tell us that it brings Him glory when we stand and affirm the truth of the gospel. And so if we're to guard ourselves from deceivers, we must arm ourselves with the truth. So again, I'm going to ask the same question. Are you in the Word of God? Now if you say yes, I want to ask you a question. Don't call it out, out loud, but say, how many times of the week are you in the Word of God? And now I want to challenge you. Whatever that number is that just popped into your head, add two. Okay? Add two. Now, if you've already gotten to seven, then I want to ask you, what about mornings and evenings? Would that be a blessing to be able to get into God's Word in that time frame? And then when you are in the Word, consider how you spend that time. Are you abiding with Christ or are you rushing through it to get to the next thing? And from that, are you making sure that there's also time for you to take what you are learning in biblical instruction for your life and then bring it to the lives of your children? Are you in a faith group to grow for yourself? And then are you bringing your children so that they can grow? Are you serving in VBS and also bringing your children to VBS? And then in guarding ourselves, we have to consider the things outside of God's Word. How careful are you being about guarding what you and your family are ingesting or listening to? What lies are your children hearing? And how will you affirm the truth in a way that draws them to Christ? And then, because a true mother loves the truth, a true mother's love flows from that truth. God's Word has much to say on what true love is. He says, Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning. Again, the world wants to define what we think love means. We see it many times, even in the titles of the songs that are around us. Think about it. All we need is love. Love stinks. Or you've got a groovy kind of love. But what is that? Doesn't sound like anyone can agree. It just sounds like we're all hooked on a feeling. And feelings change. But God's Word tells us that we need to know What is true love? Love is a choice. Love is an action. Love is not hooked to our feelings. And as such, it starts with our focus. Responding to a Pharisee who wanted to challenge God's truth and challenge Jesus' statements about truth, he was trying to trick him into contradicting God's word. And so he asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus echoed Moses' words. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Love begins with a focus on God and the truth of who He is. Because He's holy. Because He is worthy. We are called to love God and to choose Him and to believe Him before and above all others. And then I'm so thankful that when Jesus declared the second commandment, He didn't just leave us there without any further explanation. He told us where to find the answer about how do I love my neighbor. He told us to answer the lies within the, by finding the truth within the whole of the law and the prophets. Every command that we see. Every command that's been given is to be a help so that we can love God and love our neighbor. And as such, the example we see in true motherhood for all of us to follow does not come simply by the care and affection of a loving mother. The most loving thing a mother can do is to demonstrate and teach her children what it looks like to love God and to love their neighbors. So how does she do this? by walking in the commandments of God. If you gave John, if it gave John joy to see the result of this mother's love lived out in her children. And what he saw was not the evidence of her wisdom and her insights. It was not the reflection of her creativity or even the amazing ways of her teaching her children about what she did. What John observed was love of this mother walking in the commandments of the Lord. Just as you heard from the beginning. John was reminding them the importance of the whole of God's Word. We may be a New Testament church under the new covenant, under the blood of Christ, but we are commanded to know and live according to the truth that has been revealed from the beginning. From Genesis through Revelation, all of God's Word, our love is a reflection of knowing the truth in a way that results in more, Than just hearing the truth. Because you see it in Jesus' command. He says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so, as we consider how our love flows from the truth, we can ask ourselves some simple questions Is there regular evidence in your life that you are a doer of the word rather than just a hearer? Based on what I heard on Sunday, did others see an impact in my life on Monday? What about Tuesday through Saturday? You want some practical homework? Everybody loves this, don't they? Consider taking some time to abide in God's Word this week. Try reading the whole book of Ephesians. And then, list the commands and the action that God is giving in that letter, particularly in chapters 4 through 6. Write down those commands. Write them on a sheet of paper. And then, reflect on each one of them and reflect... How does following that command love God? And how will following that command help me to love my neighbor? And then pick one. Pick just one off of that list and say, I'm going to choose to grow in this area. I'm going to choose to love God and love my neighbor more by following this command. Now as we look at the end of this letter, I also want us to consider how true motherhood loves the truth how it, it, her love flows from the truth, and then we see the final aspect that we can learn from this letter as well, is that a true mother also understands what is at stake. When we slow down enough to truly see the beauty of the gospel, the love of Christ poured out on the cross for our sins, there is also an ugliness that we must acknowledge. Ask yourself, why was the cross the only way? When we read God's Word, we can't ignore how quickly, even in the book of Genesis, in the time of Noah, it says that the world reached a point where God declared the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of their thoughts of his heart were evil continually. Well, that heart for which God destroyed every living being except those on the ark still exists in the heart of man today. The problem was too great for God to ignore, but it was not yet time for God to provide the final solution for our sin. And even so, God saved Noah and his family because of his love for all mankind and the abundance of his grace to carry out his plan that would one day cause him to give everything by sending his son to pay our debt. See, but that heart of man still exists today even after God made a way for us to be saved. That heart of man still seeks to deny the truths of the gospel. That heart denies God's goodness and holiness. That heart denies our own lost and sinful nature. That heart denies the very work of Jesus Christ. And such, as such, that heart of man leaves us in a place of great danger. A true mother understands what is at stake and chooses to love God and love others by affirming the truth of the gospel. Sometimes that means that a mother must stand against the culture. Sometimes that means a mother must stand against the world to not allow the deceiver and the attitude of an antichrist into their home inside the boundaries of their family. Sometimes it also means that we can't affirm the lies that get inside the bounds of our family. The lies that a son or daughter may want to bring into our home. Now they may push back on you, mom. They may push back saying, if you love me, you won't tell me that I'm wrong. If you love me, you'll love the things that I love. If you love me, you'll love the people that I love. But sadly what they're saying is if you love me, You need to love the false gods that I love. And in doing so, what they're asking you to do is deny God. For we cannot love them both. And so sometimes a mother must choose to do the most loving thing possible. Stand firm for the gospel. To affirm and support any destructive path, any path that denies the truth of the gospel, is the most unloving thing that we could do because of its internal or its eternal implications. Now let me, pr- let me pause on that one because that could be a really difficult place within a family. This is not a call from God's Word telling you you need to cut off relationships with sons and daughters. We have to remember that our sin put us in that exact same place. We are no different in denying or believing a lie where they may be as they come today. But we also have to acknowledge there is no sin that Jesus would ever say is too heavy for him to be able to carry to the cross. And as such, there is always hope. And so in love, we want to keep those relationships open as best that we can, because without the relationship, we may lose the door through which to bring the truth that needs to combat the lie. Folks, if you're here today, and, you're, and this is what's going on in your family. We want to pray for you. And we want, to, we want to say, come, we will help you walk through that in a way that loves our family well. But I also want to say, if there's anyone in the room today that you're saying, I don't know these truths about God, about myself, about Jesus Christ, and I've got questions. Don't leave here today without asking those questions. Come find me. Come find Pastor David. Let's think through them. There is no greater gift that you could give someone on Mother's Day than to choose to believe the truths that this chosen lady knew. Because God says, if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord, and you believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And a true mother understood those truths. Lastly, in true motherhood, it not only understands the danger, but it also understands the reward. We must hold fast to the truth of the gospel and the promises of God that are given to His children because there is a great reward. A reward that everyone who should believe in Him, who knows the truth and loves the truth, will not perish but have eternal life. The rewards are many, but none greater than how Jesus himself described it when he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The greatest reward is to know our Savior and to one day meet him face to face and bask in His glory, and grow in the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That's my hope for everyday life. And so may the truth of the gospel pour over your lives today that you may receive a full reward in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to You today Lord, praising You for who You are, Lord, we thank You that You have revealed Yourself and given us the truth that we might know Your holiness, Your majesty, and Your glory. Lord, we thank You that You have shown us Your will in creating us in the image of God. Lord, that You've given us a purpose to glorify You. But Lord, we have to acknowledge the ugliness that in our own hearts, that we choose our own wisdom and our own truth. And in doing so, we turn away from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would guide us and help us to walk in the truth. Lord, trusting in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, because you did that out of your love for us. A love like no other. A love, a love that is reflected even on a day like Mother's Day. Lord, your love unconditional, and true. And so today, I just want to ask that you would lift up all of those amongst us. Lift up the mothers who are here. Lord, help them to walk in your truth. Help them to follow and abide in you. And Lord, I pray for the fruit of their work as they instruct their children. Lord, that more and more would come to know you. Lord, that we might one day receive the full reward standing face to face with you to see the beauty and the wholeness of your glory. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.